Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles, if you would, tonight. It won't be long, but I just cannot get away from this passage of Scripture. We've been here before, if you've been in Psalms with us, and recently made a reference to it, and I just believe the Lord has something for us. Uh, and I don't know if I'm just missing it, and the Lord's trying to teach me something specifically, but He's dealing with me specifically in this passage of Scripture of Psalm 119. And I want to draw your attention for just a few moments to a couple of verses. And I want you to understand what is taking place here. I want you to notice how personal this psalm is. The psalmist here is making some statements. And in doing so, he is uh, very clear about what his desire is, if you would. And uh, he has some desires that are seen here. And we see these immediately in Psalm 119. Notice what the Bible says in verse 33. Because you, you get a feel for how serious he is and how personal he desires for the Lord to deal with him as he makes these statements. In verse 33, at the very beginning, he says, teach me. In verse number 34, he says, give me. In verse number 35, he says, make me. In verse 36, incline my heart. In verse 37, turn away mine eyes. He, he's very clear about what his heart's desire is in a personal manner. Lord, I'm calling upon you because I desire these things and I desire you to deal with me. And as you've walked through the doors of the church, I remember growing up and, and hearing this as our pastor got up into the pulpit and he said, as you walk through the doors of the church, don't just pray for others. As you walk through the doors of the church, say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, deal with me. Because if we're not careful, we're always thinking that the Lord has to get so-and-so in shape. And he has to get their attention because they're not living for the Lord and they're not doing this or they're going through this. But the truth of the matter is our God is not only capable of speaking to some of us tonight. He's capable of speaking to all of us. He desires to deal with all of us. He desires to, to show every single one of us what he has for each of us. So tonight, as you start out Psalm 119, verse 33, may it be your prayer tonight that the Lord would be speaking to you. Say, Lord, deal with me tonight. Lord, help me tonight. Lord, show me tonight. And so notice with me just a few things. As you come to Psalm 119, verse number 33, this psalm flows very smoothly, if you would. Uh, it's not going roughly. It's not, you know, stop and go, stop and go. It just kind of continues to go. And the psalmist transitions in such a way where it kind of just reveals a few pictures, if you would. This psalm alone, Psalm 119, verse 33 through 40, begins to picture four specific things. And then we see the desires within all of that. But it, it pictures a sojourner. That sojourner is one that is following after the Lord, if you would. Someone that is is here for a time, but while they're here for a time, we might as do might as well do the right thing and follow after the Lord. It pictures a soldier, one that is disciplined to do God's will. You see this in some of the statements that he is going to make here in a few moments about his seriousness to the Lord's will for his life, as he is not only calling for the Lord to show him some things, but he is also saying, Lord, keep me from some things. That is the hard part. You see, the hard part is not for the Lord to, to reveal to us His Word. The hard part is us acting upon God's Word or keeping us from the hard things that we shouldn't be getting involved in. The conversations we shouldn't be having, the places we shouldn't be going and getting out of God's will. We are studying this morning in our Sunday school hour, the life of Jonah. 
And immediately, just that first verse alone has so much in it as you begin to study it out. But there are some key things within the book of Jonah that you begin to see that might and ought to be applied for ourselves. And one of those is within the Christian life, and specifically within serving the Lord, there is no place nor there is any time for detours in the service of the Lord. There's no time for it. And you don't have time to, to put the Christian life and serving the Lord on hold and say, I'm going to hit the stop button for a few moments and I'll come back to that. No, there's no time for detours. We've got to be everlastingly at it, moving forward continuously as a soldier is disciplined to God's will. It pictures a servant, one who's always seeking after the Lord holy. And then it pictures a saint, the desire to be godly. And again, you see these statements being made. Notice in verse number 37, actually back up to verse number 36, what he says. He says, incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. So he knows what is wrong. He knows what is right. He, he knows where he's supposed to go and what he's supposed to do. He knows where he's not supposed to go and what he's not supposed to do. And so he makes this statement. He says in verse 37, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Verse 38, establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach, which I fear for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. So he understands this. Maybe you're here tonight. And you say, oh, preacher, you just don't understand. I've been, I've been doing things I shouldn't be doing for so long. And I've been out of the will of God. And I've been living in sin. And I'm doing all these things. And this is something that is, that is something that many people struggle with. But the truth of the matter is that even the one, as you look at this psalm, even the one that is down in the dust of the earth can be revived and can be renewed by the word of God. As he says, quicken me in thy righteousness. You say, I'm too far gone. No, you're not too far gone for God to revive you and to renew you and to set you back straight. Not a single one of us is. And so as you come to this psalm here, you see some things that are very powerful concerning the Christian life. Notice with me four things this evening, and then we will spend some time in prayer. Notice with me number one. We see the desire for what to learn. The desire for what to learn. Uh, We're in an auditorium this evening, and I would imagine there are many individuals tonight that you say, I have a desire to learn more about the Lord or to learn uh, about His ways or to learn about this or that. But the truth of the matter is, I think that that would be a small majority in many churches. Might even be a small majority, and I don't know. Because if we're not careful, our mind is capable of holding much information. But you know, if I'm being honest myself, if you were to come and you were to ask me some stats about basketball players and information about football players and this and that, I could just spew it off. Just like that. But for many of us, if we're not careful, we limit ourselves from studying the Word of God and comprehending the Word of God and memorizing the Word of God. Just very simple. Let's call it what it is because we're not interested. We want enough to get by, but no more. But notice what he says. He says, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it until the end. You see the desire for what to learn. As he says, teach me, and this statement, teach me, these words, it speaks of to shoot, to instruct. He goes on and uses the word me because he is saying, hey, teach me. He's not just saying, teach those. He's not just saying, teach so-and-so. He says, teach me. Hey, Lord, be directly to me. Shoot directly to me. Instruct directly to me. Personally, as he says, teach me. As he is making this statement right here, it speaks of shooting arrows. It speaks of pouring. It speaks of instructing, if you would. It pictures a teacher that is shooting darts of truth and trying to hit the heart of the student. 
If I were to speak to these young people tonight, here in a couple of days, they're going to be in an auditorium full of other young people. And the preacher's going to get up, and he's going to preach the Word of God. But the preacher is not going to preach the Word of God and hoping that as he is preaching the Word of God, that the Word of God, as it is being sent out as a hearer, that it's going over their head. He doesn't want that. Not a single one of us wants that. No, the the preacher is preaching in such a way that he hopes it hits them square in the heart and that it convicts them, that it challenges them, that it changes them, and that it brings about a difference in their lives. And so the preacher, as he is preaching, he doesn't care if he hits him in the forehead. He doesn't care if he hits him in the shin. No, he wants to hit him right here in the heart. That's what the Lord desires for us to do. The Lord desires that as his word is preached and taught, and as we read the word of God, that it pierces our heart. Oh, that it goes right there and it gets our attention. And as the psalmist is making this statement right here in Psalm 119, he is asking the Lord to teach him. As he is making that statement specifically, he says, teach me, Lord. Don't just teach others. Don't just teach them. But he says, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes. So he has a desire for what to learn. The word of God deals greatly with this. As you study the word of God, Psalm 25, 4 says, show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. In Psalm 27, 11, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. In Psalm 119, verse 12, blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. Psalm 119, verse 66, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Psalm 143, verse 10, teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. You see... The desire for us tonight ought to be, Lord, I want to learn, but I want to learn the right things. If I'm going and I'm starting a new hobby, and I'm trying to get good at that hobby, I want the best teachers to teach me. You know, we we have some games that we enjoy uh, playing, and sometimes within the Christian life, we think that we just aren't capable of being taught. If you have a teachable spirit, you can learn a lot. You know, and we, we joke, Miss Kelly and I, we have played games before, and we have played the Can Jam game. Many of you know Can Jam. And uh, there, there are some things that truly cannot be taught in life, and that one of those is Miss Kelly throwing a frisbee. It's just not going to happen. You want to take the challenge, go ahead. I've tried. You just stand there and you just shake your head and say, what am I doing wrong? I give her a hard time about it. As a matter of fact, when we play can jam with a group of people, uh, she might be right in front of me, but I'm doing one of these right here because, I, you know, it's just not happening. I like to win. My competitiveness in me. And uh, you say, oh, you're one of those. I'm one of those. Yeah, yeah. And people in the Christian life, they say, oh, I just can't be taught those things. I don't have the, the ability to serve the way they do. No, you do. Do you have a teachable spirit? Are you desiring to learn those things? Are you desiring to, to, for the Lord to get a hold of your life and to teach you some things? Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it until the end. Notice with me, number two, not only that you ought to have a desire for what to learn, but a desire for how to live. Notice what the Bible says in verse 34, give me understanding. And I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Verse 39, turn away my reproach, which I fear for thy judgments are good. The desire for how to live. This statement that is made in verse 34, give me understanding and I shall keep. That word keep speaks of to guard, if you would. It speaks of to keep close, to watch closely, if you would. 
And the truth of the matter is, within the Christian life, as you begin to desire this right here, this is something that is not often sought after. And notice again the statement, Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. That's a hard thing to do. Living out of the Christian life is not something that it's just, hey, we sign a document, we say we're a Christian, we've got it all figured out, and it's just smooth sailing. That's not how it works. Those that you admire, those, those heroes of the faith in your life, and those individuals that you study, and those individuals that you read, you say, oh, that's a, a Christian that really sold out and did things the way the Lord desired. Those individuals had to work at it. It didn't just happen. They didn't just wake up and become a Christian that just had it all figured out. No, they got alone in the, the quiet places with the Lord and said, Lord, show me these things. Give me understanding. Help me to come along. So the desire for how to live. If you sell out to the Lord and you say, Lord, I want to be a Christian that stands out. I want to be one that doesn't go through the motions. Then there are some things you ought to understand about that. It's an uncommon place to be. If you're looking to be around individuals that are always sold out, it's an uncommon thing in the Christian life. It's not always the popular thing. It's not always the easy thing. As a matter of fact, it's not only uncommon, it's unpopular. The day and age in which we are living in, to be a Christian and to stand for truly what the Word of God says, it's an unpopular thing. It's not something that a lot of people are doing. We ask the question, and we must ask the question, does doctrine matter? I believe it does. Is living by what the Word of God says, does that matter? I believe it does. So one of the things we are seeing within our society today is that if the statement is made, I I just love the Lord, that that all of a sudden is just plenty. Well, show me that you love the Lord. You know, these singers that get up and spew all of this this nonsense out of their mouths and this vanity and all of this profanity and all of this filth out of their mouths and, and then they stand on the stage and win an award for being one of the best artists of the year and one of the very first statements that they make is, I just want to thank the Lord. Hold up for just a moment. The Lord didn't bless you with, with all that. Lord didn't, didn't want you to sing all that nonsense. Those, those actors that will get up and do all those many things, the, the NBA players and the NFL players and all that nonsense that's taking place where people just get up and they say whatever they want and do whatever they want and live such a wicked and wild lifestyle. And then they start with, I just want to thank the Lord. Oh, you, you don't. It just sounds good. It just sounds cool to be able to say that and to acknowledge that. Listen, our view of God and the world's view of God is two different gods. The world's view of God is not the same God that we're reading about tonight because the wickedness that we're seeing in this world does not line up with this book. And so we ought to desire for the Lord to teach us how to live. If you're going to live the Christian life the way the Lord desires for you to live, it's an unpopular thing and it's an uncommon thing, but it's not easy. It's not easy. I remember whenever I was even in in the Christian school, I remember in church, I remember just in college that taking a stand sometimes, it was not something that was easy. It wasn't popular. Oh, it's just one time. One time can ruin your life. It's been said that one decision can mar a testimony of 50 years. You know that. So is it worth it? Counting the cost and making sure that you're living the Christian life.
Bible says in verse number 33, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Notice some things concerning this and how you ought to still live the Christian life and how it stands out in the world today. He goes on in this statement right here. Give me understanding. He says, I shall keep thy law. I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of commandments for therein do I delight incline my heart unto testimonies and not to covetousness. But it all starts with this statement in verse number 33. I shall keep it. I shall keep it unto the end. That speaks of consistency. I love seeing Christians grow in their walk with the Lord. I love seeing it. And we've said this time and time again, that one of the saddest words and one of the most encouraging words that you'll ever hear is the word potential. Because here's the truth of the matter. Let's just use Brother Jacob and Brother Jared for just a moment. Both of those young men have recently surrendered to to, to preach. They believe the Lord is calling them to preach. Well, here's the word that is lined up within that word potential for them. There's a lot of potential here. What could God do? Okay, let's fast forward 20 years. Let's just say for a few moments that both of these young men have fallen out of the will of God. They have done things. They're running from the Lord. They're not even church anymore. And here's how it would go. They had so much potential. You see, the Christian life is a day-by-day life, consistently. That's why in verse number 33, he says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy truth, and I shall keep it unto the end. It means work. Consistently living out the Christian life. He goes on in verse number 34 as he says these words, I shall observe it with my whole heart. That speaks of something that is emphatic. He wants to know and he wants to understand and he wants to do it. He doesn't just want to talk about it. If you walk in my office, Brother Zach and Brother John both have laughed at me, but I like it. There's a a calendar in my office, and the calendar says these words, the very top of it, be about it. Be about it. Because it's a reminder to me as I walk into my office, I walk into my office, I look straight ahead. I can talk about all these things all day, but when are you going to be about it? When are you going to be about it? We've always said that. Don't talk about it. Be about it. And there's one thing to talk about the Christian life and say, oh, I wonder what it would be like. Well, be about it. Quit talking about going out soul winning. Go soul winning. And quit talking about serving the Lord. Serve the Lord. Quit talking about joining the choir. Join the choir. Quit talking about going and serving in this ministry. Serve in that ministry. It's time that Christians get a hold of what the Lord could do and stop saying, I wonder what God could do in my life and just say, Lord, I'm selling out and be about it. I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, I wonder what God could have done with me. No, I want to know what God can do with me. I don't want to stand in the way and get, a, get alone and, and fall out of these things. I want to be in the middle of the work. And so he says, I shall observe it with my whole heart. This isn't something that he's just casually taking. No, he wants to be taught. He wants to understand these things. He wants to keep it into the end. But he also wants to observe it with his whole heart, not just some of his heart. He wants to get a hold of these things, and these things be embedded in his life and his heart, and for him to do the work of the Lord. He's emphatic about it. Verse number 35, notice what he says. He says, make me to go in the path of of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. I've never, and I'm sure it's happened, we see it in the life of Jonah, but I've never, come out of a revival meeting where God was doing a deep work in people's lives. Tears were shed. Decisions were made. And one of those individuals that were crying and weeping and had decisions say, I regret that. 
I've never. And the psalmist goes on right here in verse number 34 and 35, specifically is in 35, it says, Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. The psalmist understood that his best life was lived in the will of God. The times in which he was stress-free didn't mean that stressful moments weren't taking place. It didn't mean that hard seasons weren't being had. It didn't mean that trials weren't being gone through. But he was there in the midst of it, and he knew that's where he was supposed to be, and God was there with him. Can I share with you the times in which we are out of the will of God and the times in which we are running from the Lord and the times in which we are stopped reading our Bible and the times in which we are going our own way or the times in which we see our life unraveling, but in the midst of standing in the will of God, hey, trials are going to be had and we're going to say, oh yeah, the trial's there, but so is God. The seasons are going to be bad sometimes. We're going to say, oh, that was a bad season, but God was still faithful. The psalmist is making it known in verse number 35. Make me to go in that path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. He is cheerful about this. This isn't drudgery for him to go in the path. No, as a matter of fact, later on in Proverbs, you're going to see that in some of the Proverbs, you'll see that it speaks of that path. And the paths of the righteous and all of the many paths that we are to go down. The path of life, the path of light, the path of comfort, the path of following. All of these many paths. But one of the things that stands out to me with this psalm right here, is notice these words once again, teach me, give me, make me, incline my heart, turn away mine eyes, establish thy word, turn away my reproach, quicken me. All of these are so personal, it speaks of a man that was serious about prayer. Moms, dads, let me ask you this question. What's your heart's desire for your young people this upcoming week? If the answer is only that they have a good time, you're failing in your prayer life. I'm sorry to say it that way. Have you given two thoughts to actually praying that the Lord would do something so great in your young person's life that they'd come back in such a way where you look at them and say, something has happened? Now let, me, let me pause for this moment, not just the parents. Young person, what is your heart's desire for this week? Yeah, I, wanna, I heard they got a rock climbing wall. You ain't getting up anyways. Y'all are all scared of heights anyways. A bunch of wimps. Ah, I heard that we're going to play some sports competitions. You ain't no good at sports either. I'm sorry to break it to you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) What's your heart's desire? The psalmist is serious about these things. He is saying, teach me, give me. Just make me and climb my heart. Turn away my, establish thy word. Quicken me. He understood what was the real deal, if you would. Over the last couple of years in our leadership meeting, we have continuously said this time and time again, but let's keep the main thing the main thing. While we enjoy all the good times, and we enjoy the activities, and we enjoy the functions, those are all great, but the truth of the matter is, the Christian life has to be lived out. You've got to be serious about it. The desire for what to learn, the desire for how to live. Number three, the desire for where to look. Verse number 35, he says this, make me to go on the path of thy commandments. Where are you looking? Where are you headed? What road are you headed down? Verse number 37, he says, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me in thy way. As you begin to think about the study that we're doing right this very moment, on Wednesday evenings on the mind, 
And we come to realize that before we ever act upon something, it has crossed our mind. We have thought on it briefly, whether we've thought on it briefly or we've thought on it deeply. It's crossing through our minds and many people are losing the battle of the mind. And we have to ask our question, where are we looking? I remember one of the very first messages that I ever preached was on the life of Peter. I don't even know if she still has this show. But the time when I preached that, I made the statement that far too many Christians and far too many people are looking at Dr. Phil and Oprah for all their answers. And the truth of the matter is, Dr. Phil might not still be a thing and Oprah might not still be a thing. But all that has shifted from then to now we have Instagram people who are Insta... Whatever they're called, I don't even know what they're called. What's that? Say it one more time, Jaden. Influencers. Now we've got all these influencers that are influencing people and doing this and doing that, and we're looking to them. We say, oh, that mom hasn't made, that, that Christian hasn't made, that church hasn't made. Hold up for just a moment. The psalmist goes on, and notice where he's calling out to. He says, teach me, and he says, oh, Lord. He says, the way of thy statutes. Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. Incline my heart unto thy testament. Can I share with you the same God that the psalmist is crying out to is the same God we get to cry out to tonight. The same God where he was saying, teach me these things. The same God we get to say, Lord, teach me and show me and deal with me and help me. All of the the many things we're seeing in this psalm right here, the same God is still alive and working today. Quit Googling things and quit searching things and say, God, you deal with me. Man, the path of life. Psalm 1611 says, thou wilt show me the path of life. The path of light, Proverbs 418, but the path of the just is as a shining light. That shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The path of comfort. Oh, the Lord reminds us all throughout Scripture. He's never going to leave us. The path of following in Psalm 23 says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And so now we come to where does this psalm really rest our attention? Because here we have seen the what to learn and the desire for how to live and the desire for where to look. But where does all of this align? The fourth point. Number four, we see this, the desire for what to love. What do you love? You see, our love oftentimes determines the way we think and our actions. If you love something, you're devoted to that thing. And notice what he says here. In verse 36, he says, incline my heart. The word incline speaks of to stretch out, to bend down, to turn aside, if you would. His heart's desire was on the things that were eternal, not temporal. I have outside right this very moment a vehicle that I do love. If someone were to come to me and say, hey, you've got to sell that vehicle. As much as I don't want to, I'd, I'd be okay with that. I'd say, okay, that's, that's fine. I enjoyed it while I had it. I just would borrow Miss Carrie's now. But if someone were to come to me and say, hey... You're not allowed to preach anymore. Hey, your, your church is, we're, we're putting a lockdown. There's no more soul winning allowed. No knocking, knocking doors, no farmer's market, no outreach, none of that. Hey, we, we, we've made a law where there's, there's not allowed to be any education of God in, in, in any location. Or the, I'll tell you right now, that, that, that hurt me. 
You know why? Because truth be told, those other things that I'm mentioning, such as sports and the Jeep and whatever the case may be, those are temporal things. But to see someone come down and accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior because of the preaching and teaching of God's Word, that's an eternal work. To hear of those young people coming out of children's church singing songs about the Lord and getting in the vehicles and singing about the Lord, that's an eternal work. And to see those children coming out of Sunday school and to see the testimony just today, Brother Zach posted about some of the testimonies in the adult class and, and hear how the Lord is moving and work, that's an eternal work. To see what God is going to do this next week in these young people's lives, that's an eternal work. Those are the things that I desire for God to get a hold of us and to help us understand that that is really the things that matter. All of those other things are not bad. But do we love those things more than we love the eternal work? When was the last time you opened this book, not with just a, a, a habit to say, all right, let me read this real quick, but really with a desire to say, Lord, show me something. Speak to thy servant with tears in your eyes, with a burden on your heart for someone that was lost and dying and going to hell. When was the last thing you said, oh, Lord, I want to see you do something? The desire for what you love. Psalm goes on in verse 97 and says these words, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119, verse 113, I hate vain thoughts. But thy law do I love. The psalmist makes it very clear concerning these things. And he goes on in verse number 36 on down to reveal some things that will help us not to love the right things if we're not careful. Not really help us, but rather hurt us. Notice in verse 36 what he says. Covetousness. Notice what he says in verse 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Vanity. Notice what he goes on to say in verse 38. Establish thy word in thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. Verse 39, turn away my reproach. Verse 40, behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Each of these things that he is making mention of speak of specific things. One speaks of a desire of the flesh, not to covetousness. The fleshly desires of our lives. One speaks of a defilement of the eyes as he goes on and says, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. What are the things that you're looking at and looking toward? Are you longing towards things that the Lord never intended for you to long after? Turn away mine eyes. He goes on in verse number 39, turn away my reproach. Oh, Turn away my reproach, speaking of the, 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 the denouncing of the enemies and, and making sure we're not going of their way, but we're staying in the way, if you would. Verse 40, quicken me in thy righteousness. Oh, we have some dead spirits in this world. Walk into the house of God, and it's as cold as can be sometimes. Oh, what could God do if there was a fresh anointing? A revival that sweeps through our, our churches and our nations and we're no longer cold and apathetic and, and, and we're looking for the Lord now and we're desiring for Him to work. I'm grateful for all the Lord has done. And I, we have visitors and we have uh, preachers that will come through and I'm grateful for what God is doing in this place and in our church right now. And there are things that the preachers will say and one of the things that I appreciate so much and I pray that the Lord continues to get a hold of us is they always say this when they leave. When we've had guest preachers, they say, there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. I was on the phone with Mr. Andros recently. And I've said this before. 
He had come in. I think Brother Zach or Brother John was here showing him some of the things, and we are having to get some things repaired on the flooring, and they said that they would come and do that. And he came, and he looked at the front, and he looked in some of the other areas, and I remember he ended up getting in touch with me about some things and was talking about the, the front here and how some of the carpet was pushing back. And I remember I was dropping by to make the, the final payment on all that, and we were talking for just a few moments, and we were talking about that, and I looked at him and I said, you know, I'm not upset about that. I don't know all of Mr. Andrew's background, but I looked at him and I said, I'm not upset about that. I said, you know why? I was like, because that, that, that reveals to me that our people are on their knees praying at the altar. I said, so if you don't get to that or if you don't want to fix that, that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. I don't have a problem with that. As a matter of fact, it looks like he's coming fixed. I might have to call everybody back to the altar and we'll get that fixed again here in a little while. The Spirit. So I ask you tonight, what's your desire? Lord, teach me these things. Lord, make me to walk. Lord, give me to understanding. Lord, help me along the way. Lord, what is your heart's desire tonight? You say, I'm just satisfied with going through the motions. Well, I'm not. So I'm just satisfied we're for seeing blessings every once in a while. I'm not. I want to see them all the time. I want to see God working at all moments of our lives. And what could God do? So here I want you to, to think about this tonight. As we think about teen camp, and we're going to use this time as a, a get serious and really get specific about some things. Miss Michelle, if you don't mind, if you would go to the piano, whatever you choose to play is perfectly fine. I want you to think with me for just a few moments. The piano is going to play here in just a moment. We're going, to, we're going to pray. But let's get specific for just a few moments. Church family, let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, here's the first question. What's your heart's desire? Right this very moment. What's your heart's desire? What do you desire for God to do in your life, in those that you love, in this church? What is your heart's desire right this moment? Does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line up with the will of God? Do you know that it's the right thing because the Lord is working in your life? What is your heart's desire? Parents, this next week is teen camp. I would urge you tonight, grab that young person, wrap them up, pray over them, pray with them, and bathe them in prayer. Look, I'm one of the biggest believers in getting young people to a camp, getting rid of all of the devices, getting rid of all of the distractions, getting rid of all of the junk that our lives are filled with, and for a solid week sitting under Bible preaching. You know why? Because Bible preaching at a teen camp saved my life. It was a preacher that got up and faithfully was delivering the Word of God, and the gospel changed my life. And the preaching that week is why I'm here today. I'm one of the biggest proponents and one of the biggest individuals that will tell you, send your young person to camp because of that one week that changed my life. So parents, what is your heart's desire? Young person, what's your heart's desire? Listen, I remember going to teen camp and I remember the athletic activities. I remember winning some of those tournaments. I remember doing all those things and having a great time. But I remember being with my youth group at the altar, tears in every single one of our eyes. I remember souls, I mean an entire altar being saved at a teen camp and people standing together. I remember people standing up there and surrendering their lives to the Lord. I remember all of those things, the eternal work that was taking place. 
So what's your heart's desire? Lord, we do thank you tonight. Lord, we need you. I pray, Lord, tonight that you would do a work that only you can do. Lord, I pray that we would find ourselves at this altar and be a people that are praying. We say, oh, we prayed at home. That's great. But Lord, oh, may you draw us to this altar tonight. What is our desire? It's our heart's desire. What do we want to see you do? Are we standing in the way? Are we holding some things back? Are we completely yielded to you? pray, Lord, that you would do a work that's eternal. May we commit some things to you. Lord, I pray that the altar tonight would be full. Lord, that we would allow you to have preeminence in this place. We would commit some things to you. We'd get some things right. Lord, that our heart's desire would be lined up with the desires of your heart. Take this time. Use it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray.